Mario, it's Ronan Keaton here. Fair play. Loving the podcast, man. Marty Whelan last week. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. His impressions, unbelievable. Anyway, listen, uh, I heard you got Curry's on board as a sponsor. Fair play. I started a kind of a corporate sideline thing doing musical stings. It's on the QT during the pandemic. Might have something for you. What about this? Curry's is all that you can say. Give us a call. Yeah, Mario, uh, Professor uh, Luke O'Neill here of Trinity College. Hope you've had the job. Um, anyway, if you're uh, if you're looking for somebody to come on the podcast, I'd be happy to drop in any time, day or night. Just call me any time. Um, the data is telling me the my media engagements are down to 16 this week, so uh, I'm a bit low. So, uh, yeah, call me. Uh, please, please, please call me. Please. Mario, uh, Christy Dignam here. Listen, I, I heard you got a new sponsor, so well done on that. But uh, Aslan, we've kind of developed our own kind of corporate musical uh, stings thing during the, the pandemic. So we'll have something for you here. What, what about this? How can I protect you from Curry's PC world? Yeah, give, give us a call anytime. Well, as you can hear, the Mario Rosenstock podcast hotline has been hopping off the hook this week. And not only that, but we have been getting so many emails directly into the show um, and some very kind reviews as well on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Please keep the emails coming. I read them all. Send them to mariorosenstock at gmail.com and I'll make a personal effort to try and get back to you. If you haven't already, please hit subscribe or follow on your podcast platform of choice and give us an L rating. Go on. It really helps. Okay, you are very welcomed back to the Mario Rosenstock podcast, proudly supported by our friends at Curry's PC World. Um, We're delighted that Curry's partnered up with us on this podcast. And in the coming weeks, I might uh, have some news, possibly even some competition news, maybe even some goodies you could win from Curry's um, here on the Mario Rosenstock podcast. But keep listening uh, and we'll see how that goes. Okay, this week's guest coming up in a few minutes is the hilarious the unpredictable and the searingly honest, as I've learned over the years, PJ Gallagher. PJ is currently presenting the Big DIY Challenge, which airs Thursdays at 8.30pm on RTE1. And for a man who admits that he knows zero about DIY, he's doing one hell of a job at it. And as you'd expect, we talk about his severe lack of DIY skills and an awful lot more besides. I said, where are you from? And he said, Russia. And I know it's a stupid joke, but I said to him, if you don't sit down... I'm going to kick him the Bolsheviks. And he ran at me and he got me in a headlock and he fucking threw me over his dinner table and nobody noticed. For two thirds of my life, I wouldn't have been allowed in this pub. So I'm not going to turn up now and, and swan around the place like I'm on some special invitation. Like, you know, you don't like me. You don't want me here. You want me to just Instagram a photo of your new poxy cocktail. Fuck off. If you ever get on stage and you hit this zone where you're not thinking about what's going to come next, you're just saying shit and it, that's very much like racing it's you're not thinking of what you said or what you're gonna say you're just in this zone i tell you what made me absolutely howl with laughter there was the idea that in your head as you walk out into 1100 people in vicar street you picture that a dead person has given these people all their tickets <laughs> <laughs> and they're all grieving and they all want you to pick their night up 
Now, PJ is also, it turns out, a glutton for punishment and asks me at one stage to lay into him as Roy Keane later in the interview. Uh, So you don't want to miss that. But as in every episode, we have a lovely, brand new, fresh out of the oven comedy sketch for you. This week, all the talk was about the revelation that Owen Harris, one of Ireland's best known polemicists and columnists in the Sunday Independent, was behind a fake Twitter account. A Twitter account which, among other things, heaped lots and lots of praise on one Owen Harris, for one thing. Um, The Twitter account caused incredible controversy until Alan English, the editor of the Sunday Indo, uh, felt compelled to terminate Owen's contract. And uh, it's been the talk of the town um, for the last week or so. Uh, But here on the Mario Rosenstock podcast, just uh, this morning, we got sent an anonymous um, tape, an anonymous MP3. And it turns out uh, that it is uh, the hacked voicemails, yes, you guessed it, of one Owen Harris. No, you've reached Owen Harris. Now, please leave your name and number as anonymity or this kind of what I call hiding behind this kind of veil of secrecy will not be tolerated on this platform. Thank you. Owen, it's Brendan O'Connor here. Um, Sorry, you never got to say goodbye. Uh, Listen, I think you left a few things behind in the office. Um, There was the black fedora hat and um, obviously the, the, the Mary Lou MacDonald uh, dartboard thing. I think that was yours as well. Thanks. Owen, this is Fintan O'Toole of the Irish Times. I wanted to express in a very real sense my deep uh, regret and, in fact, sorry. Owen, George Hook here. I heard you got cancelled. Join the club. <laughs> I mean, literally, myself and Johnny Waters and Myersy are meeting in the men's shed out in the back of mine tonight. We're watching Rocky Four and having a couple of scoops. Love to see you. Bye. Sorry, Owen. It's Brendan again. And there was also the large gold uh, embossed framed uh, mirror as well. Um, that's for well, its down reception anyway. Wait, please. Thanks. Owen, Sammy Wilson here, DUP. Sorry for your troubles. Um, listen, a possible position has opened up here in the party, so it has. Uh, it's uh, head of social media for the DUP. Give us a call if you're interested at all. Thanks, Owen. Owen, Fintan O'Toole of the Irish Times again. I don't know what happened to me the last time, but in a sense, I just wanted to say... <laughs> <laughs> Owen, this is Matt Cooper here. Uh, the 14th anniversary of your infamous storming out of the Last Word studio is actually next Saturday. Uh, we'd love to reenact it if you're up for doing it. I think Fintan says he is, yeah. Up leads. Bye. Owen, you don't know me. My name is Eugene Harrison. I just wanted to say you're the greatest polemicist in world history. Plato, Aristotle, Jonathan Swift, they had nothing on you. Sure, all they were was tribal anyway. And it's this kind of petty sloganeering they were done with. Aristotle, can you imagine him going head-to-head with Sarah McInerney? No, you can't, but I did. I mean, you did. Nobody loves you more than I do, Owen. Good luck. Well, uh, they are just some of the voicemails Owen has been receiving this week. Uh, don't ask us how we got them. It's all highly confidential. Deep throat, etc., etc., Whatever you do, 
I would ask you to keep a lid on them and don't pass them on to anybody on WhatsApp or Twitter um, or anything like that. I'd prefer if you just kept them to yourself um, on the Mario Rosenstock podcast. So back to business. Uh, my last week or so has been dominated by back pain. Um, I spent several days lying on my side in excruciating pain trying to write comedy sketches, which, as you can, can imagine, is, is quite the challenge. So by the time PJ Gallagher came on the line for our interview, I needed to vent. I needed a shoulder to cry on. I needed a virtual remote hug. And that's how we kicked off our chat. Enjoy. PJ, how's it going? All good. What's the story, Mario? Good. Yeah, not bad at all. I want, do you know what I want to talk to you about first? No, I don't. Pain. I want to talk I mean, to you about pain. Yeah, pain. I want to talk to you about pain. And I want to talk to you about pain because I think, actually, you're quite good at talking about pain. But I want to tell you where I'm coming from here, right? Yeah. I've been in agony for the last eight days, uh, uh, PJ. Absolute agony. My right. back has been absolute bits, right? I have a little thing that happens every so often. It could be every year or every five months. And I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know why it's going to happen. But when it happens... I am absolutely kaput. It's gone. And it just happens. Like like being struck by lightning, right? And you like thing or something like that. No, it's it? just like a thing in my lower back. It's called the it's called the sacroiliac joint. And it pops out of place. But when it pops out of place, a massive spasm takes care takes place in my back. So eight days ago, I was absolutely grand. I was getting out ready for getting up in the morning on Sunday. And I was just putting on my underpants when suddenly Right. So I went over, I landed on my side and I'm rolling around with, with an underpants hanging off one foot. And my wife, who has seen this before, uh, kind of knows what's going on. And she realizes I'm in the doghouse. I'm absolutely finished. So basically, the deal is to get me to an osteopath the next day. But yeah. until that time, I'm unable to put on my own underpants and I'm unable to put on my own trousers. And so every what morning... What middle-aged my- injury that is. That's the most middle-aged injury I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> my wife has to come in and she has to literally put my underpants on at the bottom of my feet. But there's, there comes this moment, BJ, where she pulls my underpants up at my thighs and almost a human reaction. Her eyes avert as she pulls, as she pulls up the underpants any further. Yeah, and it's a really... I mean, we're supposed to be like husband and wife and yet she looks away. She looks away. Her eyes are averted. And Injury then she has and intimacy to... are two very different worlds. Like, they don't share the same <laughs> at all. You know, like, all of a sudden, you suddenly become very aware of yourself when you're injured. Intimacy is a weird thing. Like, you, you honestly think your ghoulies look a bit like, you know, George Clooney's face in the throes of intimacy. And they don't. They're your ghoulies. And then suddenly pain creeps in. And you realize, whoa, this is a weird set of gadgets I have, you know. Oh, man. Gadgets, we'll come to that later. But listen, anyway, for the last eight days, anyway, um, I've been lying on my side writing sketches, uh, 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 being live on the radio, talking to Ian Dempsey, and nobody at home can tell that I've actually got my underpants halfway up my ass and I'm lying sideways on my elbow <laughs> like that. And I'm doing like Michael T. Higgins or whatever. <laughs> and I'm pretending I'm Michael T. Higgins. <laughs> like it's actually a middle aged man lying sideways with his underpants around his knees. Literally with my knickers in a twist. And, um, but anyway, the reason actually, I know you're going, where the fuck is he going with this? But actually, when I said, I'm in absolute pain and I'm going to talk to PJ Gallagher, I went, pain, PJ, pain. Something rang a bell with me. And I went, you've experienced quite a lot of physical pain in your life, haven't you? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, like, I mean, nowadays, to be honest, I get a middle-aged injury person like yourself. Like, I got plantar's fasciitis or fasciitis, whatever it's called, and just walk around with limp. That's what feet. it is, yeah. yeah. Which is a real poxy pain at the moment. But, yeah, because I've always been into bikes and whatever, 
And because not a long time ago, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I used to like, I, I quite enjoy taking physical risks with my body. You know, like my hero growing up was Evil Knievel. And when you're a hero, hero's Evil Knievel, like the standard is low. It's basically, you know, everything, all you need for success is to stay alive. You know, that's pretty much it. Uh, so I guess <laughs> I followed that trend of like every day that you can be alive is sort of success. Uh, and that meant taking bigger and bigger risks. So waking up felt a little bit better, you know, uh, and especially with motorbike racing. I mean, motorbike racing is one of those things. Like if you really want to feel alive on a Monday, let the devil bite your ass on a Sunday. Like that really was a thing. You know, if you genuinely think when you go racing, the fine line between winning a plastic trophy worth four ninety and ending up under the A and E with, with broken legs or backs or maybe not being alive at all—it's a very fine line. Good balance. But, yeah, but Monday morning, man, feels fucking incredible because you've just ridden this wave of you know sort of this beautiful danger. Um, and the thing is, it doesn't always work. Sometimes you do get banged up and beat up and smashed up and. And now I'm just afraid. Now I'm in my forties. I'm afraid I would never take those risks now. Like, yeah. When did that happen, uh, PJ? Was there a moment that you can identify that you went, "I'm not," you know, "I want the 490 trophy," and then suddenly you went, "No, I'm 41 and I need an osteopath." I (laughs) I think there's one moment sticks out, but I don't know if that was the moment or just the moment I realized. You know, I, I remember I was on the grid in Mandela Park and I was sitting on the bike, and I qualified quite well. And the lights go off and you, you charge for the first corner. And I remember going around that first corner and seeing somebody showed me their front wheel, like they were trying to pass me up the inside. And I knew that what you're supposed to do is lean down further and show this person you're a little bit mental and you're not getting past and lean on his front wheel and he'll back off. And, and I stood the bike up in fright and I kind of knew there and then this is over. I'm, I've gone from being competitive to being in the way. Um, it kind of dawned on me I'm in the way now it was like this moment I suddenly realised I was afraid I was never afraid before you know I was always like if I got hurt so what they fix you up or if they don't they give you half a bit of what you had before and you can get around And but I was suddenly afraid and I think I've been afraid ever since like now it, like, like a, you know I worry about stuff I like today for instance I saw my dog running on the lead and I tried to run to keep up because I was like the dog will get a sore leg if I you know hold the lead too tight like all this mundane shite that I never would have thought about is in my head I just became fragile or I became aware I could be hurt I suppose you know yeah. on some level uh, yeah, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. not a nice thing to realise you know because the beautiful danger of all of that is kind of gone you know like they do say uh, there's a Steve McQueen quote, a famous Steve McQueen quote that says, racing is life and everything else is just waiting. And kind of feels like everything else is kind of just hanging around since I stopped taking those risks. And, mm. I, and there's truth to that, you know. It's a bit like, um, you know, when they say about the soccer player who, you know, when they say about the soccer player who totally commits 100% for a challenge. Yeah. And it's when they're able to commit 100% for the challenge that they don't get hurt. It's when they try to be careful a bit more about the challenge. That's when the moment they're going to get hurt. When they slightly don't commit fully to the challenge, it's then they get hurt. Uh, yeah, and, de- and you'd know it as well from being on stage. It's it's the same sort of thing. When you, you ever get on stage and you hit this zone where you're not thinking about what's going to come next. You're just saying shit and they're in the palm of your hand. You know, you have this audience in the palm of your hand. And it, that's very much like racing. It's You're not thinking about what you said or what you're going to say. You're just in this zone 
you know, it all that matters is the is literally the two seconds in front of your face type of thing. Mm. Uh, yeah. And and all of a sudden you're not on stage anymore. You're not in a show anymore. You're just in this experience. You know, you're yeah. not aware of what's happening anymore. You're just in this experience. And and that racing is very much like that, except you can get really physically hurt if you say the wrong thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Flow, flow. I think some people call it flow. flow yeah. That sense of flow. You know. Anyway, PJ, what I wanted to ask you was when I'm bringing people onto the podcast, I wanted to find out. I, I sent them a few questions in advance. Did you you got the questions, didn't you, from Patrick on email? Yeah, I did. And, yeah. and you did all your work, didn't you? You did your homework for me now, didn't you? Good. I had a scan. I did my yeah, <laughs> Good. I did. Okay. One of the things I wanted to do, because I don't know what your answers are, but one of the things I wanted to do is uh, get something off your chest. Come clean with me about something. Is there something you want to have a little rant about? Is there something you want to confess? Is there something you want to tell people that you haven't told other people? PJ, a, come clean with yeah, me. What is it? This is where I'm going to use you as a therapist. There's a few things, actually. I mean, I have a long list, so you're going to have to cut me off here. Number one, I am doing a DIY show on RT at the moment. I am the worst DIY. DIY human being on the face of the earth. Like, I mean, genu- genuinely. And I said this to people and they think it's a joke. If a bulb blows in my house, I learn to live in the dark. And I am sitting in a room that has nothing but a light bulb in it. At the moment, there's no fucking light. I can show it to you. There's no light bulb. Like, I got, I can't do the most basic yeah. shit. I can't use sellotape. I got so angry trying to find the thing on sellotape about two months ago that I bounced it and cracked the window. Now the window is cracked <laughs> and the sellotape is in the bin. And the bulb is missing here. And I, I, the dog did a piss on my carpet, I would say, two years ago. I just don't go into that corner of the room. Like, I can't <laughs> do this shit. How I am presenting a DIY show is beyond reason for me. I don't know how I, like, I obviously look like I might know something about something. I know nothing yeah. about anything. So is this your opening rant every time, every Thursday? It's on, the DIY challenge is on on Thursday nights on RTE at 8.30. Is this your opening rant? If I no, see I, a light bulb, I stay in the dark. If I fucked up a set, is this your opening rant every week or what? So you, it's a little bit too pessimistic for a okay. show that's actually a lot of fun and design. What are you doing it for then? I do it because it is a lot of fun, and and you know it's a, it's a it's good crack, and not to mention it got me out of my five k. Like that's no small thing either. Uh, like you know, like when we made it, honest to God, getting into the car and driving beyond the M fifty, it really did feel like. Game of Thrones, you know, when they get to the wall and they go past, all the cultures were like the White Walkers. Like, I, for me, it was just this amazing experience. I was like, I cannot believe I'm out here. And I borrowed my ex-missus um, car to do this journey because it's nicer than mine. And I was like, I am not doing my first journey beyond the 5K and not making this special. I'm like, I'm getting fizzy fucking cola bottles and I'm getting fancy sandwiches and I'm fill- I'm going to take a piss in every rose bush from here to Tralee. I'm going to make the most of this. It, the justification for finally doing it. I borrowed her BMW and all. I was like a right little wanker. And <laughs> it was so much crack. So like making it was a lot of fun. And like to make me, I like people. Like, so it doesn't really matter to me the show's about DIY. It could be about gardening or cooking or it could be about anything. I like people. Uh, and people having to go with stuff. So I guess that's why I'm doing it. Yeah, that's great. It's Actually, funny you should say that. about Because uh, when I went in to see The Osteopath, I'm bringing it back to my pain again, uh, PJ. When I went in to see The Osteopath, I said, how's your year been for the last year and two months? And he's um, like a really mild-mannered New Zealand guy. And he went, yeah, well, um, you know, it's been really interesting because a lot of interesting different people have come in this year as opposed to last year. And I went, what kind of people come in last year? And he went, well, obviously there's holiday back. And I went, what's holiday back? You don't know holiday back? Holiday back is, apparently there's millions of us. It's the guy who's gone on holidays for two weeks. He attempts to put his suitcase into the, into the back of the car, 
fucks his back up immediately and is straight into the osteo. He's called Holiday Back. And he went, well, obviously there was no... Yeah, there is a thing among osteos. And he said, well, obviously there was no Holiday Back. And I went, well, what happened then? He went, oh, well, then there was DIY Back and Gardening Back. And I went, oh, right. So it's all the guys who attempted to do all this stuff. And they said, yeah, day one, they shagged up their back. It's amazing because so many people got into it that never touched anything before. YouTube, like, people just started watching YouTube videos of DIY and saying, I'm going to do it. And then went out and, like, you know, if they didn't spring new gas leaks and blow up half the cul-de-sac, they were just giving themselves injuries and having it, like, well, it's the have-a-go nature of it, I suppose. Like, remember when Woody's opened for the first time in lockdown? Like, all the pubs in the world could open tomorrow morning and it wouldn't be that joyous. Like, I don't know what it was. I know. Somewhere to go. Somewhere Somewhere to go. go. Somewhere to go and hang around and somewhere to put makeup on and and some stilettos. And uh, (laughs) not that I did, sorry, PJ. But (laughs) I don't mean me. I meant supermarkets and places like Woody's were places where actually women, for example, started dressing up to actually go out because there was no nightclubs. So, like, um, they actually used to put makeup on to go out to Woody's and Aldi and Lidl and stuff like that, you know? So, Amazing. Uh, hanging around the peat moss flower section all done up. I hope you meet someone new. You know, yeah, just giving people the was... eye over by the Dulux weather shield. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and come here. Um, uh, riding a motorbike, uh, doing stand-up. Where do you stand on stand-up now at the moment? Uh, going forward. Well, I don't know. Like, I mean... I'd love to never do stand up again. Uh, to be mm. honest, you know, I don't, I don't love stand up. Like I've never. No, I been know, I know. Yeah, I know. This is what I'm picking up from you. That you, you did. Did you go through a period where you got a bit of a fear of it as well? That you got a bit of stage fright. Yeah, Usually, really yeah. bad. And I still get stage fright really, really bad. And what is that? What? How does it manifest itself? Explain the feeling. Try and put yourself. Try and put 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 me in your shoes. Okay, it's too much. So first of all, I cannot stop taking on the responsibility of everybody in the audience, and so. If there's a big, if it's a Vicar Street gig, for example, all I can think about is eleven hundred personalities. I don't think of seats. I don't think of tables or tickets sold or a full house. I just think of eleven hundred people who need me to have a good show or their weekend is fucked. I can't get that pressure on my head. So I get, I just think they're they've been working Monday to Friday. They maybe got these tickets as birthday presents or Christmas presents, or maybe they got them from someone who's not even alive anymore. This gig has been something that's been sitting on a mantelpiece. I can't stop taking on this stupid bullshit. And then I'm in the wings thinking, I'm going to let you down. I'm going to let you down. I am going to walk out here and we're going to have a great five minutes. And then I am going to let you down. Not just you or you yeah. or you, but you and you and you and you and everyone you bought the tickets for. And when you're when people ask you in work tomorrow, what is the show like? You're going to say, honestly, I'm sorry I bothered he was shy. And it's just this unbelievable fear that I'm going. And the gig is never bad. In fact, I would say all my gigs are very, very good because I know I'm a good stand-up comedian, but I cannot let that pressure go. And I thought I did let it go. I remember meeting Ardle O'Hannon because I did a documentary about this. I remember sitting with Ardle and I, I chose Ardle because Ardle had a reputation for being even more nervous than I was. And then I was doing a gig with him and he said to me, at the backstage, he goes, PJ, it's not worth it. I was like, oh, right, so I am worse than him because he's now taking, you know, comfort out of the fact that I'm so, so nervous. And I thought I'd let it go after that. I, I, so I went through this process, but then I realized all that happened was I wrote a new show and therefore it got a little bit easier when I was touring the show. And when I went back to writing a new show again, I was back to square one. I, I just can't, I can't shake it, you know. 
I, I can't shake it. I've, I, I've always been terrified of stand-up comedy. I've always been terrified of it. But at the same time, I did it. And I genuinely say, people think, again, it's a joke. I'm, it's not a joke. I did it because I couldn't do anything else. I just wanted to be good at something. I didn't really care what that was. I didn't give a shit. That could have been anything. It just yeah. happened to be stand-up comedy. I wish it was racing bikes or playing football for Dublin or anything. It wasn't. If I try and catch a ball, I'll break my fucking nose off the thing. I can't. <laughs> my hands are ornamental. They're not real. They don't do anything. You know, uh, but, but I think that's really nice of you to do this because I think that's really nice of you to say it. There's something very sweet about saying it, if you don't mind me ask, saying, because it's, 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 it's quite vulnerable and it's quite an open and honest position to come from because I'm trying to think, saying, admitting you a stage fright is a little bit like a husband admitting he has erectile dysfunction. <laughs> and it's like, I'm just, darling, make love to me. I'm just thinking of the feckin' burden that I'm carrying tonight your whole fucking weekend relies on my todger standing up and making you happy and my todger is not prepared to take that pressure on board tonight and I don't know who gave you the press the ticket to my todger it could have been a dead person <laughs> PJ I tell you what made me absolutely howl with laughter there was the idea that in your head as you walk out into 1100 people in Vicar Street you picture that a dead person has given these people all their tickets <laughs> it was a giant inheritance it's one big <laughs> it was the same said- dead person it was one people and 1199 relatives from Australia and they're all grieving and they all want you to pick their night up on the anyway, night before his death, yeah, he gave them all tickets and said, the last thing I want <laughs> is for you to have a good night out. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it, I'm sorry for making the arrest, erectile dysfunction um, uh, analogy because it's like something that, as men, it would be hard for us to admit, even though, but 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 you've just admitted it. And I think that's a really nice thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank anyway. you, Mario. <laughs> I know, and I was really brilliant. And I know I actually, because I picked up on that before, the fact that you used to talk about your stage fright. And I thought that um, it's, uh, I thought that it's, it's, it's a very, uh, shows a very vulnerable and, and open side of your personality. One of the really many nice things, or many, one of the many likable things about you, uh, is that you kind of have, a, you, you kind of have an openness. You're not really that showbiz. You don't really have a, any showbiz gloss to you. You're kind of, no, I you're kind I of, a, yeah. Think so no, like I've never, no. I've never been in a green room with a lot of people, or I've never gone to parties, or I've never done any of that. It's never been me. Yeah, I, yeah. I suppose it didn't really t- felt like a fit in with it. Uh, so that was as much of that as too. You know, I just never really. Yeah. When I when I did make a camera, I was just a week before t- I was thirty years old. That went out on the TV. Yeah. And, like, when that went out on the TV, I still couldn't get into bars in town. Like, there's fucking pubs in town I've been invited to that I know. At 29 years old, I'd have got there and they'd give me some bullshit members only or no runners excuse. So yeah. fuck off. Like, fuck off. I'm not going to get into it now. I see through it. I, I know that you don't like me. Hmm. You know, so I, I see that. Uh, I know that. So I, I, I guess I guess that's the good, good thing about being a comedian. You never really sort of get any success until late. You know, musicians can make big careers when they're in their early 20s or yeah. whatever. Comedians can't. You know, it takes you a long time. And by the time you get a little bit of success, you kind of have, maybe are a bit lucky that you can have a bit more of a head in, head in your shoulders. Yeah, so, yeah. so I suppose I kind of, that's always been kind of in my head. Like I would, I know. Ten years, for most for two thirds of my life, I wouldn't have been allowed in this pub, so I'm not going to turn up now 
and, and swan around the place like I'm on some special invitation. Like, you don't like me. You know, you don't like me. You don't want me here. It's, you, you, you know, you want me to just Instagram a photo of your new poxy cocktail. Fuck off, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay. not, yeah, so I guess I'm not showbiz. I guess I felt like I never fit in in that environment so yeah and i actually don't mean that in the, i mean that in other ways well i mean like you could you could argue like you know your old buddy jason byrne you could argue he isn't showbiz either but i he is there's a touch of showbiz about him because you'd always get the sense that jason is a is a highly competent clown if you were in a room full of people and you didn't know them you go that guy over there he's definitely a joker or a comedian or something there's something about him whereas yeah. with you you wouldn't necessarily go who's your man it's only when you get to actually talk to you for 15 minutes and then you start making people laugh that you realise, I don't know if he's a comedian, but he's fucking hilarious. Uh, well, that, which I, is, I think I just look like a normal person anyway. Exactly, like, it, exactly, you do. Ice but, on a balloon. That's what I look like, you know. <laughs> say to me, oh, you look really, really familiar. No, I just look like a face on a balloon. Like I'm literally <laughs> the most basic-faced person yeah. you're ever yeah. going to meet. So there's nothing... You know, it's not, you know, it's just a very, I'm a very, if my dad saw me, he'd say, very plain, God bless him, you know, like, so, <laughs> so that'd be, I don't, I don't really feel very different to people, I guess. Yeah, no, I know you, but I think you're being a bit mean on yourself, but anyway. This podcast is proudly supported by our friends in Curry's PC World. Back to the chat. Brilliant. Okay. Um, you and I have often had, um comedy gigs you and i have often had uh, funny chats about uh, nightmare comedy gigs and i'm i'm intrigued by nightmare nightmare corporates or nightmare comedy gigs nightmare corporates are funnier though oh, and yeah. uh, i remember you came on the radio once and you told me a couple but there was probably one or two we couldn't talk about on the radio because they were they, they you just probably couldn't talk about them there's one i remember you told me about and i think it was a clontarf castle that you had oh, yeah. oh this was I, t- I like the thing is about this one is I, i've actually kind of done a coach and blacked out on it because it was so bad I think this is the one where was, this is the <laughs> you've actually deleted it from your memory so there's, there's about four corporate gigs that are that went so badly they blended into one nightmare um, yeah well I remember one you told me about that you were hired by people to play in Le Crivan restaurant and you ended up behind a wall there was an audience of only five people and they couldn't even see it because you were a disembodied voice behind a wall I was standing at the service entrance so I kept having to get out of the way of the people who were serving the tables. And like, it was a full restaurant, but because of where I was standing, there was like five people that could see me properly. And I, I remember nobody was listening. Like nobody. You, you know, it's weird when you stop talking in your own gig and nobody has noticed. Like it was that level of, of, of <laughs> terrible that was going on. And every time I finished a joke, I couldn't hear anyone laugh. But one guy kept shouting, up mayo! I was like, this is painful. Like, and then one guy stood in front of me and he was a big guy. Uh, and he kept shouting at me, but I couldn't hear what he was saying. He was just like, rah, rah, rah. and I said, where are you from? And he said, Russia. And I know it's a stupid joke, and it is a stupid joke, but I said to him, if you don't sit down, I'm going to kick in the Bolsheviks. And he <laughs> ran at me, and he got me in a headlock, and he fucking threw me over his dinner table, and nobody noticed. I was like, this is unbelievable. Like, I could stand up, dust myself off, and walk out the door. And nobody even realized I was gone. I was like, I can't believe I've reduced myself to this. I was like, this is, like, the only one. Uh, I, I had one that went worse. And again, it was in a big, big, fancy castle hotel, right? Yeah. And um, it was all, I remember getting my confidence was up. This is, It's always a terrible sign when your confidence is up. Because we walked mm. in. And there was 220 accountants and they were all sitting at these big round tables with big floral pieces in the middle of the tables. And 
this guy got up and he started doing the golf awards. And he was doing, you know, corporate golfy jokes. Like, ha, ha, I tell you something, Gerald. Yeah, I, I hope it's you that's paying for this. You know, all this type of shit. And we were, <laughs> up. We we're loving it. We were um, loving it. And I looked at my friend Pat, who was with me, uh, who did music with me. And I said, I think we're going to get away with this. Uh, and then they brought me on. And I, I, I caught, I, what was, they told me, don't talk to the main table with the boss. Don't talk to him. Don't, but like, that's like saying, don't touch your Mickey or wet paint. I just couldn't. Like, and I walked out and looked at him and he was bald, kind of egg in the nest thing. And I don't know what, I, I somehow made a joke about him being a glue sniffer. And you could hear, you could literally hear, hear the air go out of the room. And it got so quiet that if somebody laughed, I'm not joking, it would have ruined it. Like it was that quiet. It would have ruined it. It was that bad. And it was 10 minutes of total silence. And I would tell a joke and I could hear my breath go into the microphone. Like, so I'd be like, and that was, <laughs> I, fed a chip. and I could hear, and I was like, this is unbearable. Like, this is unbearable. And I, then an argument broke outside stage with the woman who organized it and my friend Pat. And I could hear her saying, give him the signal. Just give him whatever signal you people use to say this isn't working. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and he was going, there's no signal. There's no signal. <laughs> this ship normally works. Uh, and he got, and he was walked on and with the mic live. He said, you have to go. They hate you. I, I was, oh, and then I was putting the mic back into the stand. And you know, when you're putting it in and it's so mm. quiet, you can hear the boom, 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 boom. And he said, fuck it, man, let's do a song and we'll go. And he started playing this parody song that we used to think was really silly and fun called The Eye of the Penis, which is basically a Rocky version of The Eye of the Tiger. And the last line is, it's the hole where your wee-wee comes out of your penis. Uh, Thank you very much. And they stood up and ran at us. like, And I mean ran at us. And this one woman with tears in her eyes was saying, you've ruined Christmas. And another fella started fucking banging, grabbing Pat's guitar, and I left him for dead. I was like, good luck, ran through, the, got into the car. They were in the car park screaming at us. And we were like, when we drove off, Pat just went, enjoy this, man. We'll never have disability again. He was like, we've just won <laughs> 220 accountants. It was fantastic. Oh, Christ. <laughs> when we did that, we sang and laughed the whole way home like there was something about that epic death that i understand you know, it was re- it was just joyfully released releasing it was, it was joy yeah you know if you die on joyful, a yeah. gig, you'd be all upset but there was just something so ridiculous about this whole thing that we just had so much crap yeah. going home it was just like as a matter of home. interest did you ever get any feedback from that company afterwards N- never never but they paid i couldn't did believe they? it I, yeah i oh, ran the agent the next day and says forget about like that money's never co-. i was like never yeah. coming like that yeah. money was never coming. She goes, they paid. They, the they honorable, don't pay. honorable accountants. Maybe oh. they felt um, there was a, some sort of performance art in them running you out of the hotel and that they were, they were actually were worth the money. Maybe they all came back and they went, that was actually a great act when you think about it. He actually got us out of our seats and we ran him out of the hotel. He actually, it was the ultimate audience interaction. Um, he's like a performance artist. You know, a, a supreme. Really. For the that's, first that's time it. ever, they were united as one. Uh, you know, <laughs> fighting the common enemy of a of a terrible comedian. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. But there's a fatalism about it as well, PJ, because you kind of it's unfair on yourself. Really, you kind of look at yourself and you go, "This is me." It isn't you. This is just a bad night. It's just a bad. But you, but but you look at yourself and you go, "No, this is me." Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then somebody has a better line than you'll ever have. Like some of the deaths I've seen happen. I remember being in the Ivy Gardens Comedy Festival once and this guy was having the worst show ever. And then this woman stood up and says, you're wanted outside. 
And he goes, who wants me outside? And she goes, everybody inside. And that was it. He was gone. <laughs> like he was gone. Oh, and it, great line. I did it. I remember another Dublin comedian and we were playing in this place just uh, outside North, sorry, North County, Dublin area. Yeah. And he did this huge, big, long story. And long, long story. And he got to the punchline and he delivered the punchline and nobody laughed. And one guy stood up and says, ah, oh, didn't there used to be a pool table in here? And it was like, laughs I've ever heard. But there's no coming back from that. Like, you're dead. You're a goner. <laughs> you're, you're an absolute goner. Yeah, because there's no, like, even um, going, oh, yeah, brilliant line. Great one. Well done. Because you're just gone. You're still gone. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's no, like, even admitting, oh, yeah, well done. There's no being a man about it. No, no, because when the local guy who doesn't do stand-up is funnier than you and he's proved it, then you're, it's all over. You know, they're paying, all of a sudden they're waiting for him to do it again. You can't come back. You can't go back. You've just failed from Anto from the present who lives down the road. He's just out, he's outgagged you in your own gig. You, there's yeah. no place, there is no room for you after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair play to you. Listen, um, the DIY challenge, which is on on Thursdays at 8.30, I decided uh, I'd look, because now you're an expert at DIY, uh, PJ. So I just thought I'd go through the manuals and um, I wanted to know if you could tell me um, what these tools are. There's a couple of tools I've got here. Uh, one is a bastard file. What's a bastard file? What's a bastard file? Is that a real yeah. tool? These are all real tools. A bastard file? A bastard <laughs> file is, um, it's something you use to hit an apprentice who refuses to turn up on time. It's just a file for blade sharpening, so named because of its uncertain parentage, one might say. Uh, <laughs> let me see. What's a dike? A dike? Really, as in like not right, as in not to a dike is something you use to hang a hang a photograph of your auntie who lived on her own. No, it's a nickname for diagonal cutting pliers. Oh, right. uh, uh, so you have to guess what these are, okay? <laughs> but you have to make an educated guess now because you are the DIY man. Oh, What's a bush hammer? A bush hammer is um, a bush hammer, is something you use to smack down weeds. In your back garden. Good, I guess, I suppose. It's not it, no. It's used for chipping and adding texture to stonework. Oh, my God. I'm so bad at this. It's embarrassing. What's a hardy? Hardy is a hat. A hardy's a hat. Is it? Is no. A hardy's what a builder calls us hat when they're all walking. He says, don't forget your hardy. We'll go and get a breakfast. No. Pill. No. It's a blacksmith tool. Every anvil has a square hole in it called a hardy hole or hardy hole. You insert the hardy... You insert the hardy into this hole and it forms an upright surface against which you hammer hot metal to cut or shape it. The hardy hole is a great name for a stand-up comedy club. I'm saying that now. <laughs> if somebody doesn't open the hardy hole as a stand-up comedy club, I'll never forgive them. Sorry, you're fucking barred though because you're wearing runners. <laughs> um, so come here to me. Um, talking about the bike racing and the, and the stand-up, at what moment can you think, if you can think, at what moment, what joyful moment during these things do you think you say you could feel, say you felt most alive? Oh, I think the first time I ever played Vicar Street on my own, like with, with my name on the door, you know, that was that was the moment. That was that was a big, that was an awakening. Like that was a, that was the sign you haven't been wasting your time, you know, because you always think you're wasting your time. Or I always thought I was wasting my time. Everything, like like I was telling you, there were all the things I wanted to be good at, I was kind of shit at, but there was this thing I felt I could be good at. Uh, but you did it for 10 years, 
and you got nowhere and you were talking in clubs and people didn't want to listen and you're shit in school because everything you do that you were good at in school wasn't valued in school because they just want you to sit down and do mathematics and write, you know, history essays. And you're like, no, I'll tell you all these things, but I'm not going to sit down. This does, this environment doesn't suit me at all. But you don't think like that when you're a kid. You just think I'm, I'm, I'm here's another thing I'm shit at. And I want to be really good at Gaelic football. And I went out and I tried it. I couldn't play it. I hadn't got the coordination. I would hurt myself. I'd smack myself in the face of the ball. And here's another thing I'm shit at. And then you go and you, I got a job in a warehouse and I tried to learn, you know, how to do electrics and stuff and realized I can't do it. And it was like, great. Oh, this is a great list. Here's another thing. Yeah, here's another thing. Stick it on the list. Another thing I'm fucking shit at. Here's another thing I'm shit at. Tried to learn French. No, can't do it. Another thing I'm shit at. And then after 10 years of doing stand up and thinking, I know there's something in this. Like, this is the one that has to work. And knocking on the door of the world saying, please, please, please answer the door. Then someone says, here's your Vicar Street gig and it sells out on a day. And I was like, thank God. This, finally, I'm alive. Like, finally, I'm here. Finally, I have a feeling that something has worked. You know, I grew up in a, in a, in a house where I, I didn't really get a look in because it was so busy because it was part of a health experiment. I grew, you know, you, you, I was adopted when I was born. I went to school. They didn't like me there. I couldn't get into a bleeding bar because I'm wearing runners. But finally, I've arrived. Finally, there's 1,100 people who are here who have paid. And not only have they paid, but we've all had a great fucking night. Like, it's, it's actually worked. Like, and I, I, I don't think I'll ever forget that feeling. Like, that was the moment that, like, that was the validation that you've been screaming out for for years and years. And, and like, you know, like, even when I compare that to the days of racing, even when I compare that to getting on a motorbike and doing the thing I loved the most in the whole world, which is like getting on the start line and finishing a race and finishing in one piece. That one night, that one first night in Vicar Street is incomparable to any of it because it sort of was the moment where you go, Jesus, this last 30 years wasn't actually a waste of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, nice one. That's where living is. Living is right under that rock, isn't it? Yeah, nice one, PJ. And I threw in a question as well, because you're used to playing characters as well. If you could be any other person for a day who would you be and more crucially what would you do i'd be miggledy higgins i mean there's no doubt about it. i'd be miggledy higgins it's all dogs and dinners and deadly gaps like that's it's the best life ever those are the things i love dogs and dinners and deadly gaps that's it that's how to like you're asking me how do you know what's living your last question was what's living that's it being the president of ireland and swatting around your huge garden with your two amazing like world famous animals uh, and getting invited to the best dinners in the world. So that's the crack. I mean, if I was Miggledy Higgins for a day, that's it. Out with the dogs in the morning, off to some ridiculous, brilliant, swanky breakfast with the president of a country I've never heard of, uh, you know, before we head off for another lunch, take him maybe to a chip van, because that's, that's the great thing about Miggledy Higgins is he's the president that can go anywhere. You know, he has access to the world. Everyone wants to meet him. He's the most universally liked man in the country, I think it's fair to say that. Uh, you know, he has that great effect. He he feels like he's your, he feels like your uncle that doesn't call around enough. We're all so everybody loves him, so he can go anywhere you want. He's as welcome in a football stadium watching Galway United as he is in the White House, sitting next to Joe Biden. So what would you? Yeah. That's the guy to but, be. So I'd be Joe. I'd be Higgins. Brilliant, but but I think one of the reasons you like him is because what you were trying to get at there is there is a sense that he's authentic as well. Yeah, he's uh, real. And that, 
you know that he's real in other words because I've seen him at football matches I remember I went to a Galway United once and once and he was president of Galway United and he must have been sitting four rows back from me and I remember they were playing Sligo Rovers and a fellow went in for a filthy tackle on a Galway United player and he was up out of his seat oh, for fuck's sake referee get the fucking card out for that bastard and about five people turned their heads around and uh, but another five people didn't turn their heads around because they were the ones that were used to him doing that. So, like, he was well known for doing that. And anybody who... And, and that other time that he went on about um, the Trump people in America was very funny. Do you remember that time? He no. Was interviewed by a guy, he was interviewed by a famous political interview in America called uh, Michael Graham, I think. Oh, I do is. remember. This is when he called them all uh, a wanker whipping up... Wankers! Fears. Wankers! <laughs> and uh, I think it's because he's authentic and he has passion. He has passion and that's why... And that's why, surprisingly, young people really like him because young people love that passion. Yeah. Um, and I that's did. why... It is great, isn't it? It is yeah. great, yeah. Okay, so you'd like to be Michael D. Higgins for a day and this, and that you just faff around as him. All right, PJ, we're nearly at the end. I asked you, I gave you one task and that was to finish our interview. Would you like to be celebrated by Christy Moore? Would you like to be interrogated by Miriam O'Callaghan? Or would you like to be eviscerated by Roy Keane? Which one did you choose? It's the easiest decision I've ever made in my life. Like, Roy Keane is the man. I want to be eviscerated, torn to pieces by Roy Keane. Okay, I don't know. I don't know why everybody chooses this one. Everybody chooses the same one. Obviously, said before, like I don't know what it is about funny men. At the end of the day, I was watching Bazash Mawi there the other day, going around in a hard hat, a fucking yellow hard hat, going around. I'm building this. I'm building that. I'm building. No, PJ Gallagher's doing it. I could think of no better lad in the world to front a DIY DIY show because this lad is the fucking definition of a tool. What next? Fucking Jason Bourne doing grand designs. Room to improve with Tommy fucking Tiernan. This bishop actually goes into your house and installs a fucking immersion himself. Fuck off. I don't want any more of these funny men telling me they're good with me light bulb. The last person I want in me house is a comedian touching any fixtures and fittings that I might have. Fuck off, PJ. You're barred. <laughs> okay, no. that's enough of him anyway. I've never felt so good in my life. That's <laughs> why, is so, why is it you would be so disappointed if you didn't get eviscerated by Roy? Like, <laughs> would be such a disappointment, wouldn't it? Like, <laughs> I do know you have a point. It's a badge of honour. It's a badge of honour to say, hey, lads, I was eviscerated by Roy Keane. Listen, PJ, listen, a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on um, the Mario Rosenstock podcast. And always so much fun to, to listen to you and talk to you. No, thanks a million, Mario. Thanks as always for talking to me. Great, Craig, as always. And there it is. Isn't it just so refreshing to talk to somebody who is so incredibly honest and open uh, and yet also extremely funny? Um, These are just a couple of the traits that make PJ such a fascinating character in my view. I've always really enjoyed talking to him. That's it for this week. Thanks to um, our friends in Curry's PC World uh, for proudly supporting the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Uh, Thanks, guys. Um, If you want to reach me, Uh, You can reach me personally, MarioRosenstock at gmail.com. Tell me what you think of the show. Tell me any suggestions for some guests you might like. Any comedy sketches you'd like me to hear. Any characters you'd like to hear me doing that you haven't heard me doing before. Um, That's always an eye-opener when people do that. Thanks for dropping in again this week. Um, You can also contact me on um, Twitter, at GiftGrubMario. And I'm on Facebook as well, of course, Mario Rosenstock. Okay, thanks for listening. Um, See you here, same time, same place, next week. Make sure to come back. Bye-bye.